Come, sit down, and let me tell you the story of the Amon's family possession. <laughs> I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. A woman and three children who claimed to be possessed by demons, a nine-year-old boy walking backward up a wall in the presence of a family case manager and a hospital nurse. Gary Police Captain Charles Austin said it was the strangest story he had ever heard. Not everyone involved with the family was inclined to believe its incredible story, and many who hear this story will find the supernatural claims impossible to accept. But whatever the cause of the creepy occurrences that befell the family, whether they were seized by a systematic delusion or demonic possession, it led to one of the most unusual cases ever handled by the Department of Child Services. Many of the events are detailed in nearly 800 pages of official records obtained by the Indianapolis Star and recounted in more than a dozen interviews with police, DCS personnel, psychologists, family members, and a Catholic priest. Amons, who swears by her story, has been unusually open while she spoke on condition her children not be interviewed or named, she signed releases letting the star review medical, psychological, and official records that are not open to the public, and not always flattering. This is their story. This is not normal. In November 2011, the Amons family moved into a rental house on Carolina Street in Gary, a quiet lane lined with small one-story homes. Big black flies suddenly swarmed their screened-in porch in December, despite the winter chill. This is not normal, Amons's mother, Rosa Campbell, remembers thinking. We killed them and killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back. There were other strange happenings, too. After midnight, Campbell and Amons both said they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs and the creak of the door opening between the basement and kitchen. No one was there. Even after they locked the door, the noise continued. Campbell said she awoke one night and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. She leaped out of bed to investigate and found large, wet, Footprints. On March 10th, 2012, Campbell said, the family's unease turned into fear. Twelve-year-old levitates. It was about 2 a.m. Normally Campbell, Amons, and her children would have been asleep, but they were mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends. Amons, who was in Campbell's bedroom, startled everyone by screaming, Mama, Mama! Campbell said she ran into her bedroom, where her then 12-year-old granddaughter and a friend were staying. Amons and Campbell said the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed. Unconscious. According to their account of events, Amons and several others surrounded the girl, praying. Campbell said she remembers being terrified. I thought, what's going on? 
Campbell said. Why is this happening? Eventually, Campbell said her granddaughter descended onto the bed. The girl woke up with no memory of what happened. Campbell and Amon said the people who were visiting that night refused to return. Possessed by demons. Campbell says she remembers telling her daughter, We need help. We need to talk to someone who knows how to deal with it. Campbell and Amon said they didn't know exactly what it was, but they believed it was something supernatural. They called local churches, but most refused to listen. Eventually, after listening to Campbell and Amon's talk about the house and visiting it, officials at one church told them the Carolina Street House had spirits in it. They recommended the family clean the home with bleach and ammonia, then use oil to draw crosses on every door and window. At the church's suggestion, Amon said she poured olive oil on her three children's hands and feet, then smeared oil in the shape of crosses on their foreheads. Campbell and Amons also told the Star they reached out to two clairvoyants who said the family's home was besieged by more than 200 demons. Their explanation made sense to Campbell and Amons because it meshed with their Christian faith. The best thing you can do is move, Amons remembers the clairvoyants telling her, but moving wasn't an option for the cash-strapped family. Instead, Amon said she took a clairvoyant's advice and made an altar in the basement. Amon's covered an end table with a white sheet, then placed a white candle and statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it. She opened a Bible to Psalm 91. Also on a clairvoyant's advice, they burned sage and sulfur throughout the house, starting upstairs and working their way down. The smoke was so thick they could hardly breathe. Amons drew a cross with the smoke. The person she was with read Psalm 91 aloud as they moved through the house. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Amon said nothing odd happened for three days. Then, things got worse. The family said demons possessed Amons and her children, then ages 7, 9, and 12. The kids' eyes bulged, evil smiles crossed their faces, and their voices deepened every time it happened, Campbell and Amons said. Campbell said the demons didn't affect her because she was born with protection from evil. She said she and others like her have a guardian who protects them. Amon said she felt weak, lightheaded, and warm when she was possessed. Her body shook, and she said she felt out of control. You can tell it's different, something supernatural. The youngest boy, then seven, sat in a closet talking to a boy that no one else could see. The other boy was describing what it felt like to be killed. Campbell said the seven-year-old once flew out of the bathroom as if he'd been thrown, and a headboard once smacked into Amons' daughter, causing a wound that needed stitches. The 12-year-old would later tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she were being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice say she'd never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. Some nights were so bad the family slept at a hotel. 
Finally, in desperation, they went to their family physician on April 19, 2012. Amon said she told him what they were going through, hoping he might understand. Their doctor told the star, it was bizarre. 20 years and I've never heard anything like that in my life, he said. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. He said he would not speak in more detail unless Amons had psychiatric clearance for the waiver of confidentiality she had signed. In his medical notes about the visit, Dr. Jeffrey wrote delusions of ghost in home and hallucinations. He also wrote history of ghost at home and delusional. What Amons and Campbell say happened next also was detailed in a DCS report of a family case manager's interview with medical staff. Chaos erupted. He walked up the wall, flipped over her, and stood there. Campbell said Amons' son cursed the doctor in demonic voices, raging at him. Medical staff said the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. The boys abruptly passed out and wouldn't come too, Campbell added. She cradled one boy in her arms. Amons held the other. Someone from the doctor's office called 911. The doctor said seven or eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Everybody was... They couldn't figure out exactly what was happening, he recalled. Police and emergency personnel took the boys to Methodist Hospital's campus in Gary. Amon said hospital personnel laughed at her desire to anoint her sons in olive oil. I couldn't talk to them, she said, so I talked to God. The boys woke up in the hospital. The older boy, then nine, acted rationally, but the youngest screamed and thrashed, Campbell said. She said it took five men to hold him down. Meanwhile, someone called DCS and asked the agency to investigate Amon's for possible child abuse or neglect. The caller, who is not named in the report, speculated that Amons might have a mental illness. The person believed the children were performing for her and she was encouraging their behavior. DCS family case manager Valerie Washington was asked to handle the initial investigation. She gave the following account to police and in her intake officer's report, Hospital personnel examined Amons and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises. A hospital psychiatrist evaluated Amons and determined she was of sound mind. Washington interviewed the family in the hospital. While she spoke with Amons, the seven-year-old boy started growling with his teeth showing. His eyes rolled back in his head. The boy locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adults pried his hands open. Later that evening, Washington and registered nurse Willie Lee Walker brought the two boys into a small exam room for an interview. Campbell joined them. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. I will kill you. While the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. Campbell grabbed her grandson's hands and started praying. What happened next would rattle the witnesses, and to some it would offer not only evidence but proof of paranormal activity. According to Washington's original DCS report, an account corroborated by Walker the nurse, 
The nine-year-old had a weird grin and walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. He then flipped over Campbell, landing on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hands. He walked up the wall, flipped over her, and stood there, Walker told the star. There's no way he could have done that. Later, police asked Washington whether the boy had run up the wall as though performing an acrobatic trick. No, Washington told them. She said the boy glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling, according to a police report. Washington did not respond to the star's request for comment. But she told police she was scared when it happened and ran out of the room. As for Walker, Washington said, he ran out of the room with me. We didn't know what was going on, Walker told the star. That was crazy. I was like, everybody's gotta go. According to Washington's report, they told a doctor what happened. The doctor, who did not believe them, asked the boy to walk up the wall again. Walker said he told the doctor he doubted the boy could repeat the feat. This kid was not himself when he did that, Walker said. The boy said he didn't remember what happened and couldn't do it, according to Washington's report. Walker, who said he previously believed in demons and spirits, thought the boy's behavior had some demonic spirit to it, but also was the result of mental illness. A police report quoted Washington saying she believed there could be an evil influence affecting the family. Amon said she spent the night at the hospital with her seven-year-old son, while Campbell took Amon's daughter and older son to a relative's home in Gary. The next day was Amon's youngest son's eighth birthday. Amon said DCS officials asked Campbell to bring the older children back to the hospital, presumably to talk more about what happened. The family celebrated the boy's birthday by singing and eating a miniature cake. Then, Amons said Washington told them the children wouldn't be going home. DCS took the emergency step of taking custody of the children without a court order. All of the children were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress, Washington wrote in the DCS form. Amons told the star she and her children cried because they didn't want to be separated. We'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives, she recalled. It was obvious we were a team, and we were beating it, whatever we were fighting. We made it through together as a team, and they separated us. It must be scared of me. The Reverend Michael Maginot was leading Bible study in his living room in the morning of April 20th, 2012, when he received a call from a hospital chaplain. Maginot had been the priest of St. Stephen, Martyr Parish, in Maryville for more than 10 years, but had never received a request like this one. The chaplain asked him to perform an exorcism on Amos's nine-year-old son. Maginot agreed to interview the family after Sunday Mass a few days later. The first step, Maginot said, was ruling out natural causes for what Amos and her family said they were experiencing. He visited Amons and Campbell in the Carolina Street home on April the 22nd, 2012. For two hours, Amons and Campbell detailed the phenomenon for him, and Campbell interrupted the interview to point out a flickering bathroom light. The flickering stopped each time Maginot walked over to investigate. 
which he attributed to a demonic presence. It must be scared of me, he later told the star he had thought. The interview was interrupted again when Campbell pointed out Venetian blinds in the kitchen swinging even though there was no air current. Maganot said he also saw wet footprints throughout the living room. Amons complained about having a headache. Maganot said she convulsed when he placed a crucifix against her head. After a four-hour interview, Maganot said he was convinced the family was being tormented by demons. He said he also believed there were ghosts in the house. Maganot blessed the house before he left, praying, reading from the Bible, and sprinkling holy water in each room. He told Amons and Campbell to leave because it wasn't safe. They temporarily moved in with a relative. Gary Police Captain starts to believe. But less than a week later, the two women were back on Carolina Street to let Washington, the DCS family case manager, check the condition of the home. Washington asked a Lake County police officer to come with her. Two other officers, one each from Gary and Hammond Police Departments, asked to join them out of professional curiosity. Amons refused to go inside, but Campbell agreed to accompany the group. The children were still in DCS custody. The main floor had three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and a small open-style kitchen. A door in the kitchen led to a basement with concrete floors. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor. The concrete around it was jagged, as though it had been broken. The makeshift altar Amons had created was still in place, along with the rings of salt she had poured against the basement walls to dissuade the demons, according to a Hammond Police Department report. Campbell told officers that demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. Austin, the Gary police captain, was one of those officers. He later told the star he believed in ghosts and the supernatural, but said he didn't believe in demons. Austin said he changed his mind after visiting the Carolina Street house. During the interview with Campbell, one of the officer's audio recorders malfunctioned, according to Austin and Hammond police records. The power light flashed to indicate the batteries were dying, even though the officer had placed fresh batteries in the recorder earlier that day. Another officer recorded audio and, when he played it back later, heard an unknown voice whisper. The officer also took photos of the house. In one photo of the basement stairs, there was a cloudy white image in the upper right-hand corner. When an officer enlarged the photo, that cloud appeared to resemble a face. The enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. Austin said photos he snapped with his iPhone also seemed to have strange silhouettes in them. The radio in his police-issued Ford malfunctioned on the way home. Later, Austin said the garage at his Gary home refused to open, even though the power was on everywhere else. Austin said the driver's seat in his personal 2005 Infiniti also started moving backward and forward on its own. He said he had the car checked at a dealership and the mechanic told him the motor on the driver's seat was broken, which the mechanic said could have caused a distraction leading to an accident. Austin said he found himself starting to believe Amons' claims of paranormal activity. But when mental health professionals evaluating Amons and her children remained 
skeptical. DCS outlines case plan. In April 2012, DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for temporary wardship of the three children. The request was granted. DCS found that Amons neglected her children's education by not having them in school regularly. The agency made the same finding in 2009. Amons told Washington there were times she could not send the kids to school because the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep. DCS temporarily placed her daughter and older son at St. Joseph's Carmelite Home in East Chicago. Amundsen's youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for a psychiatric evaluation. Clinical psychologist Stacy Wright, who evaluated Amundsen's youngest son, said the boy tended to act possessed when he was challenged, redirected or asked questions he didn't want to answer. In her evaluation, Wright wrote that he seemed coherent and logical except when he talked about demons. It was then that the eight-year-old's stories became bizarre, fragmented, and illogical. His stories changed each time he told them. He also changed the subject, quizzing Wright on math problems and asking her about outer space. Can you die if you go to space, he asked. How do you get to space? Do you have to wear a helmet and suit? Wright believed the eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychotic disorder. This appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetuated by his mother and potentially reinforced by other relatives. Clinical psychologist Joel Schwartz, who evaluated Amos's daughter and older son, came to a similar conclusion. There also appears to be a need to assess the extent to which Amos's daughter may have been un unduly influenced by her mother's concerns that the family was exposed to paranormal experiences, Schwartz wrote. Amos's daughter told Schwartz that she saw shadowy figures in the Carolina Street home. She also said she twice went into trances. Amos's older son told Schwartz that doors would slam and stuff started moving around. Amons also was examined several times by psychologists who said she was guarded but did not seem to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder. One psychologist recommended Amons be assessed to determine whether her religiosity may be masking underlying delusional ideations or perceptual disturbances. Amons and all three kids continued to insist they were possessed by demons. DCS set goals for the family. One of them stipulated that the children not discuss demons and being possessed and take responsibility for their actions. They also needed to participate in therapy to address past behavior. While DCS officials credited Amons for sharing a close bond with her children, the agency also said she needed to use alternate forms of discipline not directly related to religion and demon possession. Appropriate discipline included encouragement, rules, and withholding privileges. She could work on those goals during supervised visits with the children. Amons also had to find a job and appropriate housing due to the paranormal activity at the house on Carolina Street. While Amons worked on meeting those objectives, police and DCS officials continued to investigate strange happenings in the house. A demonic presence. The group was a bit larger this time. Campbell, Amons, Austin, 
and the two other police officers from the initial visit went back to the Carolina Street home on the afternoon of May 10, 2012. The police officers visited after work hours. They were joined by Maginot, two Lake County officers with a police dog, and DCS family case manager Samantha Illick. Illick, who was there in an official capacity, told the star she volunteered to go in Washington's place because Washington didn't want to go back to the house. A county officer took his police dog around the home, but the dog didn't show interest in any particular area. Everyone else headed into the basement. Illick touched some strange liquid she saw dripping in the basement and said it felt slippery yet sticky between her fingers. Maginot told police he wanted to check the dirt under the stairs for a pentagram or personal objects that might have been cursed. He said a pentagram might indicate a demonic presence and possible portal to hell. Or if someone had died in the house and was buried under the stairs, it could explain paranormal activity, Maginot added. One of the police officers dug a four-foot by three-foot hole beneath the stairs, unearthing a pink press-on fingernail, a white pair of panties, a political shirt pin, a lid for a small cooking pan, socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles, candy wrappers, and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord. Finding nothing else, the officer replaced the dirt and raked over it. Maginot blessed some salt, which he said is a barrier to evil, and spread it under the stairs and throughout the basement. Illick said she was later standing in the living room with the rest of the group when her left pinky finger started to tingle and whiten. She complained it felt broken. Less than 10 minutes later, Illick said she felt as if she was having a panic attack. She couldn't breathe, so she walked outside to wait for the group. When the priest started questioning Amens inside the house, she complained of a headache and shoulder pain, according to police records. She joined Illick outside. Austin said he left the house at nightfall. Austin, who has been shot at and has investigated murders, rapes, and armed robberies during his more than three decades on the force, said he wasn't staying in the house past dark. The other officers continued to walk through the home. On the main floor, they noticed an oil-like substance dripping from Venetian blinds in a bedroom, but couldn't figure out where it was coming from. To make sure Campbell or Amons hadn't poured oil on the blinds, two of the officers used paper towels to clean it off. The officers sealed the room for 25 minutes and stood nearby so no one could walk in. When they went back in, the oil had reappeared. Maginot told police the liquid was a manifestation of a paranormal or demonic presence. He wrote a report detailing his findings and asked Bishop Dale Melzick's permission to perform an exorcism on Amons. An exorcism. Maginot said Melzick had never authorized an exorcism in 21 years as Bishop of the Diocese of Gary. Debbie Bozak, director of communications for the diocese, said she cannot comment on whether Melzik has ever approved an exorcism for confidentiality reasons. In general, she said such an action would require a bishop's approval. Melzik initially denied Maginot's request to do a church-sanctioned exorcism, Maginot said. 
The bishop told Maganot to contact other priests who have performed exorcisms. Maganot said he needed other priests to give him the ritual for a minor exorcism, which does not require church approval. The priests he consulted told him to look it up on the internet. He said he did an intense blessing on the Carolina Street home to expel bad spirits. That same day, Maganot performed a minor exorcism on Amon's. The ritual consisted of prayers, statements, and appeals to cast out demons. Two police officers and Illich, the DCS family case manager, attended the ritual. Illich said she left believing that something was going on, although she wouldn't go as far as saying it was demonic. She said she got chills during the nearly two-hour rite. We felt like someone was in the room with you, someone breathing down your neck. Illich said she had a string of medical problems after visiting the home. A week after she visited the house for the last time, Illich said she got third-degree burns from a motorcycle. Within 30 days, she also broke three ribs jet-skiing, broke a hand when she hit a table, then broke an ankle running in flip-flops. I had friends who wouldn't talk to me because they believed that something had attached itself to me. Her joking response, I'm already evil. They try to find something that's not evil and corrupt it. They wouldn't waste their time on me. I cast you out, unclean spirit. After the minor ritual, Magano told Amons to look up the names of demons that were tormenting her. Each demon has a name and personality. A name has power, the priest added, and he planned to use those names to fight the demons during the exorcisms. Amons said she and a friend looked up the demons' names online by searching for demons that represented the problems the family had been having. The computer kept shutting down. She said she felt sick, lightheaded, but she said they found names that fit. One such name was Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. She said they also found names of demons that torture and hurt kids, which she felt explained what happened in the house. Amon said other high-ranking demons also were assigned to her, including lieutenants and sergeants. After the minor rite, Magano, said Bishop Melzik, gave him permission to exorcise Amon's. The ritual is the same as the minor exorcism because it has the backing of the Catholic Church. Magano ultimately performed three major exorcisms on Amon's, two in English and the last one in Latin, in June 2012 at his Maryville church. During each, Magano said, he praised God and condemned the devil. He pressed a crucifix against Amos's head as he spoke, I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Magano said his voice continued to get louder and more forceful until the demon weakened. He said he could tell how strong the demon was by how much Amon's convulsed. Two police officers, who kept in touch with Magano since the home investigation, stood nearby in case Amon's needed to be restrained. Amon said she prayed with Magano until it became too painful. She said she felt as if something inside her was trying to hold on and inflict pain at the same time. She said it was different from a natural pain, but felt as intense as giving birth. I was hurting all over from the inside out, she remembered. I'm trying to do my best and be strong. 
Eventually, Magano said, Amons fell asleep. She said that was the demon's way of lessening the ritual's effect. No more nightmares. In between the second and third exorcisms, Magano said he went on a retreat. A woman who assisted him with some of the exorcisms helped set up a backup plan in case Amons had problems while Magano was gone. The woman wrote a long demon name. Magano said he can't remember which one it was on a piece of paper and tucked it in an envelope. Then she surrounded it with blessed salt. If Amons had problems, the woman would burn the envelope, Magno said. By this time, Amons and her mother had moved to Indianapolis, but they drove back for the exorcisms and court hearings, as her children were still in DCS's care. Magno said he blessed the family's new home to prevent more problems. But Amons called while Magano was on his retreat, complaining of bad dreams, so the woman burned the envelope. She saved the ashes to burn later in a church bonfire. After that, Amons said, her nightmares ended. Reunited, I hadn't been that happy in God knows how long. In the final exorcism at the end of June 2012, Magano said he prayed and berated the demons in Latin rather than English. Police officers did not attend, so Magano said his brother stood guard. Magano said Amens convulsed while he condemned the demons but did not convulse during prayer. When she fell asleep, he said words of thanksgiving. It would be the last time Amens saw Magano. She and her mother drove back to Indianapolis, where they say they now live without fear. The old home on Carolina Street became an object of local curiosity. So much so that the owner and landlord, Charles Reed, called the Gary Police Department to ask officers to stop driving by the house because it was scaring his new tenants. He said there were no problems in the home before or after Amons and her family lived there. I thought I heard it all, said Reed, who's been a landlord for 33 years. This was a new one to me. My belief system has a hard time jumping over the bridge. When told of the Catholic Church's involvement in the situation, however, Reed said that made him less skeptical. Amons regained custody of her three children in November 2012, about six months after they'd been removed. DCS continued to check in on the children and make sure they were going to school until the case was closed last February. Amons called her children's return the happiest day of her life. She said they screamed and jumped up and down when she picked them up from the DCS office in Gary. It was just awesome, Amon said. I hadn't been that happy in God knows how long. The children said they felt safe after they left the house on Carolina Street. The three left their demonic voices and complaints behind them. No demonic presences or spirits in the home, DCS family case manager Christina Olejnik wrote, in team meeting notes dated January the 10th, 2013. She did not return calls from the star. The family is no longer fixated solely on religion to explain or cope with their children's behavior issues, Olejnik and her supervisor wrote in a request for dismissal of wardship dated January the 24th, 2013. For her part, Amon said it was not the psychologists who resolved her problems, but God. When you hear something like this, she said, don't assume it's not real because I've lived it. I know it's real.
We have come to the end of the Amon's family possession, a fitting story to end our Unholy October episodes. I hope you enjoyed the Unholy episodes. I would like to thank you all for tuning in and supporting Beauty Unlocked. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You'll find the links in the show notes. Happy Halloween, my sugar babies. Enjoy yourselves, be safe, and remember to set some Reese's Pieces aside for yours truly. Remember to bless your house and say a little prayer before bed. And be careful of the ones after your soul. Ha, 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 